When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Plenty of room for you in the stream and also on the phone lines and email. You can get a hold of us however you want with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, numbers to dial up at 466 377 Three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Streaming uh, in Streamyard with ESPN Lincoln and Facebook. Uh, ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter can go there or Hail Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at H Varsity Radio. Give that a follow. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore Radio. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence for Elijah Chris. At HaleVarsity.com. What Mickey say? Mickey Joseph thoughts says the team gears up for Ann Arbor. They'll take off tomorrow. We'll give you some takes from Mickey. Brandon Vogel with us in about 20 minutes. The rundown here of what does Nebraska need to do? What do you want out of Saturday? Let me ask that as a Nebraska fan. Uh, maybe you're going to watch uh, through uh <laughs> crevices in your hand you know you, you, the old horror movie uh movie theater scene where you you're putting your hand in front of your eyes and then you kind of peek i don't know that it, it it could get that bad depending on philosophy we'll go there in hour 2 jeremiah Searles gets his kicked off uh, Searles take on things uh moving forward and some nfl Gary Barnett, the college football weekend. Gary's a golf buddy of Mark Whipple, so he knows Whip pretty well. Get his dynamic and take on just what's going on with uh, the offensive side of the football. What's he think about Whipple, and what's he think about Mickey, and, and how that relationship is going. Danny Burke, uh, VEASAN Sports Network. He'll give you some NFL picks for the weekend. You have the numbers, you have the email, and you can get in on the stream. Jeff has already chimed in and says hi. We'll dive into this, too. Really good from our friend Adam Rittenberg. Five steps to rebuild five struggling college football programs. Okay? And the programs that are highlighted, <laughs> and my this was quick, Texas A&M starts off the list. Northwestern is in there. Stanford, Virginia Tech, West Virginia. Nebraska's not included in this. But it really just comes down to making the right hire for Nebraska because that's what you've gotten wrong. And the other part of the equation, too, is moving on, 
like you have from guys that were having success, but that success wasn't good enough. Now you'd run and hug it, right? Uh, eight, nine wins. But A&M has, has been a bit of a mess, despite the, the money thrown around, despite perceived momentum last year with an 8-4 and four finish. You knocked off Saban at the buzzer. Uh, you, you came in number six. You had the number one recruiting class, but your offense is just stuck in the mud. That's the, the biggest problem. And can you go find a dynamic play caller? Can you overhaul the offensive staff? So A&M's problems stem from just probably not enough creativity or execution. Stanford, uh, a problem there. They uh, cranked out three Pac-12 titles. You need to, to probably change up your staff if you're Coach Shaw. You've been incredible on the line of scrimmage for a lot of years. Uh, not so much anymore. And Stanford's one of these programs that, that, like Northwestern, is limited in who you can bring in. When you do bring a, a – look at Northwestern. Look at the number of NFL guys they put in. Same with Stanford. They do well with guys that get to the league, and for the most part, a lot of the guys stay in the league. But it's, it's not been even 500-level success on the, uh, the college football field. you got to get with the times. And that is adapt to portal and other realities. NIL, Stanford and Northwestern uh, are 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 two places that will be hesitant and resistant to doing so because, let's just be honest, both those institutions tolerate athletics. <laughs> they're like, they're centers of higher learning. Virginia Tech, I don't know what to tell you. If you can't win football games in Virginia with that talent, with as much incredible talent that is in that Chesapeake region. You have Maryland around you. You have the Carolinas around you. And then you have the entire state of Virginia and you can't win. They're still reeling from recruiting misses and then that dear old bugaboo that is staff change after Fuentes. Well, let's also make note of the fact that Clemson also kind of recruits that entire eastern seaboard really damn well. Sure, thank you for, I mean, clearly obvious. That was not not great take, obvious misstep on my part. But Virginia Tech's kids still know or remember the Michael Vick era, mm-hmm. right? You just, you do, because he was a ton of fun to watch. And, and, and you can go get dudes at Virginia Tech. You may not beat Clemson, but you can still go win eight or nine games, and, and they've been a far cry from that. West Virginia. West Virginia's been a spot, too, because of where they're, they're located. I mean, they got access to a ton of talent, and, and they've been a mess uh, post-Rich Rock. They were on the mountaintop, no pun intended. They were right there. And then they, uh, uh, Dana said, I'm getting the hell out of here. Holgerson had them winning eight, nine games a year. They were good. He left for a G5 gig down in Houston because they were going to eventually move to the Big 12. They'll do that soon. But he got out of West Virginia, and he just couldn't take it anymore. And that's that's good on him recognizing that, that I'm not long for this world because I clash personality-wise with who I got to work with and who I got to dance for. So Nebraska's not on this list, but when we talk about steps for Nebraska here uh, – for, for the rebuild, it, it, it just sucks to even have this topic again. You have pieces in place right now. It just depends what happens next with Trev, right, Elijah? You have guys 
like a Mickey, like a Bush, like a Applewhite. You have three coaches there that are really good recruiters. They've been good developers, and they need to they need to stay. Period. They need to stay. We can discuss the other assistants on this staff, and that's for whoever the new head guy is, or, or whoever gets to stay head coach. I mean, there's there's that topic, but really for for Nebraska. Trev has the answers here. He's laid it out with his vision, uh, not only 500-mile radius, but just how you're going to be able to win in the Big Ten, and that's the line of scrimmage development. And, and that is the step here for Nebraska. We laid out what's ailing five programs that you're used to seeing compete for their conference championship, five programs you're used to seeing do pretty well with marginal-ranked recruiting classes. And they're knocking on a door for, uh, you know, a top 10, top five. That's that's a bit of a stretch, but we're not. I can remember when Stanford was top five, even with Shaw. I can remember when West Virginia was undefeated uh, and had a had a big moment ball game uh, in, a, in a cold climate temperature against Oklahoma. Right. Uh, I can remember Northwestern just the other day making uh, 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 Ohio State look awful. In the Big Ten Championship game, no business hanging around there. A&M, Jimbo's just overrated, period. He's, he's been really good with some high-level talent, but look where he's been. He was Saban's right-hand guy, helped acquire that. You're going to have good dudes down at LSU. Go to Florida State with talent. Kind of resurrected that from being in neutral. And, and now you're at A&M because – you, you, the cupboard was bare at Florida State. That I should never utter those words, but it, it was, or at least they weren't winning. And then you got A and M, and you get yourself uh, one sweet deal. So uh, with Nebraska, it's it's finding the right guy, but but finding the right guy that can understand how you're going to win and survive in the Big Ten, and that kind of takes you into to what Mickey gets about the Big Ten right now. What's he been saying all week? Need to be good with four yards. Well. I mean, I don't think I'm crazy to say that if Nebraska had an offensive line this season that rivaled, you know, those top teams in the Big Ten West, Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, just put in any offensive line in the Big Ten West. If you were even a little bit closer to par with them. If you're you're on par with them, I think you're you're talking about a top 25 football team for Nebraska this year. I don't think that's crazy to say. Despite the struggles of the defense, the defense has played well enough to keep you in football games. If you just have an offensive line that rivals what the rest of the Big Ten West has, or even the rest of the Big Ten, I think Nebraska realistically is, I'm not saying top 10, I'm not saying college football playoff contender. No, I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten West, you, but I'm saying you're they not, you're realistically, not home for the holidays again. realistically, they should be talking about top 25. Others receiving votes in the back end of that top 25. There's enough talent on this roster outside the offensive line. So simply put, the, the, the way to, to rebuild this Husker football team is to start by rebuilding your lines of scrimmage. The defensive line is, I think, coming to their own a little bit this season. They're still thin, and you got to develop some talent behind those starting guys. But if you can rebuild the lines of scrimmage, it's not a difficult rebuild this Husker job because of fan support, NIL, new facility. You're going to be able to bring players in, especially skill position players. I think the transfer portal last offseason kind of showed that, that you know what? With the amount of money that's coming in, those sexy positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, you're going to be able to get those guys in here. Where NIL is not going to help you out all that much is with the offensive line. And I know that they had that pipeline jerky that came mm. out this week, and sure, that's going to get some some dollars in their pocket. But you got to find guys that aren't here for the NIL, guys that want to be NFL-type guys, that have a nasty mean streak to them. If you can find those guys, bring them in here, develop them into 
actual Big Ten linemen, it shouldn't be that hard for Nebraska to be competing for, I, guess, I say Big Ten West. It's not going to be Big Ten West here soon, but you could be competing for Big Ten titles sooner give, rather than give, later. Give me top five in the Big Ten, which means you get to a decent bowl game. You're likely to beat a Iowa, Wisconsin, a Minnesota that's been on your half. Don't get embarrassed. Uh, don't let UCLA come in and uh, or, or USC and, and, and boat race you. You'll, you'll, you're going to take on one or two of them. <laughs> <laughs> right survive and and don't get embarrassed saturday you're not going to probably win but but keep swinging so the, to your point about the offensive line that is that is nebraska's that's the charge with the next head coach is to fix it you need to bridge it right now we talked about what's ailing these other pro, programs here steps uh for the rebuild nebraska's got a hit and mix and match some JUCO offensive linemen with what's back. And then they need to be able to go be right with who they recruit on the offensive line and let them bake for two years. Please, for three years, by year three, you're ready to get in. By year four, okay, you had your your one year uh, uh, starting, so – you, you, you jump off of that point into your you come into your own and then sporadically your first two years you're not starting or relied upon to be awesome you're sprinkled in and you get some game reps all along the while you're getting reps monday through thursday at, at a station to get yourself developed and better technique wise strength and conditioning wise and knowing the playbook, and then a mentality that you've always been high on, right on with with the nasty on the offensive line. And I don't think they, they're necessarily all that far away. I think this offensive line could look a I hell of a lot better next season. they have some good talent. With, with, with good coaching, good development, this offensive line can look a hell of a lot better next season. With Latovsky getting another year under his belt, I think he's got a lot of potential if he can be developed correctly. Prohaska. Is going to be another guy that I think can step in, and the injuries are a concern with him, but I think he is a guy that can also uh, make good. a big jump next season. Newelli comes back, and he can make another offseason of development, and he's had all fall just to focus on himself, focus on his body, focus on his development. So you have three pieces right there. A right tackle, you can hide a right tackle um, with chipping in tight ends, one right tackle that is, if, if it's not great. And even then, three offensive linemen is enough to at least have a, a passable offensive line in the Big Ten. But right now, I think Nebraska has zero, maybe one with Hickson. Well, and, and think about what Turner's been doing this year versus how he kind of reformed his body mm-hmm. to where he should be playing. He should be at a guard. I mean, you still got Turner and Ben Hart that have time left to go out the right way, right? I mean, they've they've been in the wars for a lot of years, but they got thrown in early. Into the deep end. Who's with us? Yeah, Pete on the line. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for the phone call. How you doing today? Good, bud. What do you know? Well, I'm going to focus on the offensive line just a little bit. You know, we went out and we we went for size and and we didn't look at the feet. If you listen to any good offensive coach, they will tell you the offensive line, their feet is more important than their upper body. If you listen to Charlie McBride, he'll tell you, I want an athlete. Mm-hmm. It's critical you start with a good athlete and good feet. I think on the offensive line, we got to get back to not just looking at uh, how tall we are. We have to look for athletes and quick feet, guy that can move his feet. And uh, I think if you start there, eventually it will come. I do not like the uh, 
single back, no back sets all the time. I think I think we need to get a full back. We need to get somebody that can, can take care of that blitzer that's coming. And I think we need a quarterback that's, that'll pull it down and do a little bit of running. I think that opens up the offense also. But I think the offensive line, we got to get back to getting athletes, kids that we can build. And you got to start with a quick feet. Pete, good stuff. Thanks for the phone call. That, I, I that, think... that's, that's the Jurgens mold. Yeah. Athlete, quick feet. He wasn't necessarily going to be the biggest guy on the offensive line, but damn, was he killing dudes. Really, really, really good. And he has got a bright future in Philly. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about this with Brandon Vogel, but it, it starts with the offensive line for sure. Uh, Nebraska spared that list of, you know, five programs from Adam Rittenberg. But, yeah, it, it's been – you're kind of waiting for them to get back to what they used to be. Uh, if you're Northwestern or Stanford or Virginia Tech or A&M, you know, maybe Nebraska's not even in that train of thought now. Vogue's is on the way. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio big thanks for spending time at hail varsity radio presented by currency chris schmidt elijah herbal we're streaming and can watch the show always uh, get the podcast locked in spotify itunes google play with hail varsity radio and also the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Brandon Vogel joins us, and uh, you can see Vogues. We always talk about that gorgeous football office uh, as he's got the football. That that football behind his left ear is signed by Newt Rockney. Am I absolutely lying, Vogues? No, that's, that's accurate. <clears throat> I met Newt Rockney back when he was at the height of his, his Notre Dame coaching career, and uh, – tossed him this football and said, hey, sign this. And Vogues, Vogues is a vampire, um, just yeah. just so we're all aware. A uh, lot to get into. Uh, Vogues, let's spin the wheel here. And, and we, we talked about Rittenberg's story on, you know, programs that are stuck in the mud. And Nebraska's part of that discussion, even though they're not featured. And we're still wondering, you know, where the smoke is at with – if it's Mickey or if it's uh, a guy that's got some more experience that, that keeps Mickey and, and some of the staff together, maybe it's a strength in numbers decision by Trev or, or attack that way. And, and, and then also you, you, you have the point spread in the game uh, on, on Saturday. So I want to get your take, though, on, on you know, if, if, if you're Trev and he's laid out the vision um, – Nebraska and and what's ailed them mostly kind of in reference to this Rittenberg article you know you can talk about non-NIL embracement or 
offensive philosophy with A&M or recruiting misses or void for Virginia Tech or Stanford saying, yeah, I'm not down with the NIL. Defense has been a, a, a big-time problem for, for Northwestern, right, with Hankowitz leaving. So there's always been kind of a, a catalyst there. For Nebraska, we think it's just been the offensive. It's not just been the offensive line, but the biggest problem's been the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's that's a smart place to start. For me, you know, if we're working kind of small to big, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> broadly to more more detailed, like th- that that move to the Big Ten continues to stand out to me. You know, Derek Peterson wrote a story for Hale Varsity in the magazine a couple of years ago, and he talked to John Papuchas, he talked to Tim Beck, um, about just how hard that was. Like, not only did you have to shift kind of recruiting recruiting areas, um, or at least you thought you did, but it's just a different kind of brand of football. And when I look at it, I think, you know, Nebraska's history is what it is. And there, there's, there's no changing that. Like they're one of the 10 winningest programs in football. You talked, you mentioned the the line against Michigan. Like it's strange to see Nebraska as a almost 30 point underdog to Michigan because those two teams over 150 years of college football has won, have, have won as many games as just about anybody. Um, you know, there's just been a, I think reluctance to kind of, because that history is always there. I think there's a reluctance to kind of maybe admit where you're at and admit that, Hey, we need a coach to come in here and like build this, like this was USF or UCF, a a Florida program that didn't exist before the seventies. And that, that might be what you need. And it's hard because people hold those traditions that, that come with winning as many games as Nebraska has pretty dear. Um, and sometimes you got to pick and choose in terms of what you're going to keep, what is portable for this current era of college football, and what just have to, has to be left by the wayside. And I think Nebraska, Mike Riley wasn't the guy to do that. Scott Frost, you know, we thought maybe his knowledge of it would be the, the guy who could meld those things, but. What happened here? I think my internet crapped out on me. Vogues, hang on, buddy. Uh, Brandon Vogel, we can see him. The uh, all right, Vogues, you still have us, bud? Yep, I got you now. Okay, that I don't know what happened. I think the uh, I've never seen that hamster before. died in the back room. It's power in this joint. <laughs> you were uh, you were hitting on incredible insight. Give me the last thirty seconds. Rewind and repeat. <laughs> Uh, it's okay to admit yeah. you, you got a problem, right? And, and Nebraska can't rest on its laurels, and, and maybe uh, Nebraska's rested on their laurels on top of constant turnover. Yeah, I think, and I think that's b- broadly um, where where I kind of left things, which mm-hmm. is, you know, <clears throat> Nebraska's history affords it a lot of advantages, but um, it, it may have prevented it to this point to from from just kind of ripping off the band-aid and to be like okay here's where we're at like i mean you look at it now in this current context and it's like you don't beat illinois you you don't beat purdue and and i'm I'm not saying that as as a way to you know take anything away from those programs but historically 
like you go into those matchups kind of from a Nebraska perspective, I think, being like, well, it's Illinois. And, and that's fair because for 130 years, Nebraska <laughs> was just better than Illinois. It was just better than Purdue. And it's not right now. And, and I think that balancing like the tradition of the program with trying to build it for what works in 2023 and beyond is, is difficult. And you got to hit on the right guy who's able to do that. Um, and it might mean some hard choices. And, and when I look at it broadly, I think that's why Nebraska is where it is right now. Well, and Brent, I think the point you're getting at is that Nebraska could use a, a full rebuild right now, and maybe that previous coaches haven't committed to a, a full-type rebuild. But I look around college football with NIL, the transfer portal, and, and just with what other schools are doing. I mean, for Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, it was about a, a two-year rebuild before they're, they're back to relevance. Illinois under Bielema, a two-year rebuild before they're back to relevance. Even Florida State is back up into the top 25 this year after looking down and out for the past couple seasons. So it is now the ideal time to be trying to make a full rebuild just with the, the options that you have available for a rebuild? I think your ceiling is higher um, sooner, but also you might get, you might get fired sooner, <laughs> you know? So if it used to be like, Oh, a new coach is going to get four years. Well, we've already seen Riley only got three and and we see that elsewhere throughout the country where if things seem like they're not, trending upwards fairly fairly soon like ad's will will pull the trigger and i don't know if that's the case at nebraska with this next hire that it makes because another i guess piece of the conversation here is just how much turnover nebraska has had not just at the football coach spot but also the ad spot and that makes a difference too um, so, so I agree with you. Like, I think there are ways to, to things in a hurry that didn't exist previously. That's good. With that comes, if you don't do it quickly, you're probably getting, you probably have a shorter leash than you would have say 20 years ago as a new head coach. I think before Scott Frost was hired, it was kind of accepted that a four to five year rebuild was with the amount of time that he would have. And if you had to, to, predict right now how much time do you think the next coach has to get this this Husker football team I don't want to say back to a bowl game that might be a, a low bar but back to a point of relevance yeah it depends I think a little bit on <clears throat> on who it is and I will I will say Billy Napier at Florida this year I think did a really good job of inviting media in during the spring like inviting people in and saying throughout the whole thing like hey, this is going to be a slow process. Um, if you don't do that, I mean, I think most coaches now, kind of the, the average would be three years instead of so down from four to slash five from in the past. Like if you don't show something after three seasons, it's it's kind of hard to, um, to think that coach sticks around. I mean, we kind of witnessed this last year with, with Frost after four. Um, Trev made the decision that he did with some caveats and kind of struck people, maybe not in Nebraska, but I think nationally as a surprise of, oh, most coaches don't get this fifth year. Vogues, uh, the name that's been popular this week is Gary Patterson. And what your reaction to, to Gary? Now, we've kind of done the old straw poll with our guests the last 24 hours on Gary. Does Gary make sense in the sense 
because of his experience, his work as a builder at TCU, and then the reality that, okay, he could keep some key members that are on staff now, they could stay in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I think the last point makes some sense. My, my hesitation with Patterson is, you know, he made public comments last year at TCU, basically expressing his discomfort with the transfer portal, with NIL at, at various points. Like, what does it take to hire a coach who said, like, I don't like this? And I think, you know what, if you pulled none, the majority. None of them like it, but they're dealing with no. it. No. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you pulled the majority of FBS head coaches, it would say, like, yeah, I don't love this. Um, but it's reality, and you, you've kind of got to deal with it. So that's the thing that gives me a lot of hesitation with Patterson as his number has bubbled up because – or his name has bubbled up. Um, you can't really take issue with anything that happened on the football field. I mean, you look at TCU, switched conferences multiple times, went into the Big 12, didn't miss a beat, uh, something Nebraska post-Bo Pelini did not do moving to the Big 10. So, I mean, there's like the on-the-field credentials are kind of unassailable in my mind. It's just how that TCU tenure ended, like how much discomfort he felt willing to share about kind of where the modern game of college football is at. And whether you agree with him or disagree with him uh, is kind of irrelevant. It's just what it is. And can you build a program over the next four or five years, rebuild a Nebraska program, if you're kind of, if you wish NIL didn't exist? And if you are uneasy about the transfer portal, and those are big questions to ask. Those are the kind of questions you get to when you're actually interviewing uh, a coach, if you're, if you're the uh, AD, but from the sidelines here, it it gives me pause. Vogues, hang on. I got to get your take on Michigan and the line and uh, Nebraska's plan of attack. Couple minutes on the other side. You good with that? Yep. All right. There he is. Managing editor with Hale Varsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel, get his book, the holiday season around the corner while you're getting the Hale Varsity subscription, halevarsity.com backslash subscribe. Also get Dream Like a Champion. Uh, John Cook, Brandon Vogel hammered out a great book, and all Cook does is win championships and recruit number one recruiting classes time after time. More with Brandon Vogel. Uh, Searles on the way in 25 minutes with Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity, on a Thursday presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel. A little overtime with us. Vogues, what are you focusing on with the I 80 preview, your podcast that you can find with Herd at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play? But, you know, how do you. How do you keep this thing so you can uh, walk out versus crawl out Saturday afternoon? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, an, not an easy one. Like, I thought Illinois and Minnesota, with the way they played, uh, posed some, some matchup challenges for Nebraska. Michigan does that as well, but also poses the talent challenge, which it would for any team in the Big Ten not named Ohio State. And plus, you're on the road for for this one. So, 
you know, Mickey talked, uh, Mickey Joseph talked today about trying to slow things down, which, which I agree with. You got to try and minimize possessions and give yourself a chance there. That said, you know, Nebraska hasn't been able to, to hand the ball off and run it that well for, for weeks now. So, you know, if you want to break the game down broadly, it probably comes down to, oh, could you have some unexpected success there? This Michigan team is super impressive in in my mind. Um, not only did they do what they did a year ago, but I think they're even better this year, which wasn't a given, given how much de- NFL talent they lost on that defensive side and then um, lost one of their, their two running backs, and, and Blake Corum has not missed a beat. So... Michigan's just a team that that wins in the trenches, and it's 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 why I think it gives them a shot again this year against Ohio State, even though that game's on the road for the Wolverines, and it's why I think it makes this game a challenge for Nebraska because Nebraska's not just lining up and beating teams in the trenches a whole lot of late to go all the way back to to where we started. started. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that whole full circle. I, I love it, and. Um, Vogues, uh, you know, I think Nebraska, what's interesting, and we'll get you out on this, what's interesting about Nebraska is if you could have had Casey, I mean, you look at how Indiana hung around, you look at how Maryland put a scare with little Tua throwing the football and some of the athletes. I mean, those are the two games this year that, all right, Michigan looked mortal. Where, where and, someone went and challenged them through the air. Yeah, and and I get if I'm whip, just to play devil's advocate for a second, you know, I'm, if I'm whip and I'm looking at, at Michigan film, like, well, uh, you you beat these guys by trying to get into a shootout, <laughs> okay? Uh, well, you just don't have the personnel. I mean, I think you'll see Smothers Saturday, and and I think you can take the the leash off, so to speak. Yeah, use his legs, but see if you can find some of that uh, that back shoulder magic. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um... You know, when you're looking at a spread that's 28 points plus, like, you basically start from a perspective of, like, well, if the underdog hits a handful of big plays, like, maybe they hang around, and then you move to turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and all that stuff is is a way to say, like, straight up, like, if this game kind of unfolds like a football game, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. They're, they're a 28-point underdog for – for a reason. So, you know, it would have been nice to see Casey Thompson kind of take his shot here. Um, it would have been great for Casey Thompson to get the chance to play in the big house, but it's an opportunity for someone else. You know, I think if, and I agree with you, uh, I, I thought Joseph kind of teased this a little bit with his comments today. Like I'd be a little bit surprised if Smothers wasn't the, the first guy out there based on, how last week's game went, but, but we'll see. Um, and he definitely gives you some options to, to change the offense a little bit. Um, will they do it? I guess remains the big question. Yeah. The, uh, we need the old Whipple and Mickey cam, right? Remember the old <laughs> Bo cam? <laughs> do, we, do we have two or three, I mean, I, like, do we have two or three people I, standing between whip and Mickey? I, I, I know this is like fantasy land stuff, but because of the, the way this season is, the way that it is, I'm like, you know, you're not just going to come out and run the wishbone or, 
you know, the power <laughs> I option um, based on a week. But if you were like this current scenario with an interim head coach, three games left, it's kind of the perfect time to do it. So uh, yeah, I don't think we'll see it, but never say never. I can't, I can't rule it out as <laughs> boy, it'd be interesting. Working on like, our, well, how much option can we put in? in six working days? on our veer game. Vogues. Just saving it for Barry next weekend. I love it. Uh, Brandon Vogel. Vogues, we'll talk to you Saturday, bud. Take care and thanks for a few minutes. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is. Brandon Vogel. Vogues, don't kid yourself. He was probably a wicked veer quarterback in northwest Nebraska. I I, I think it was Hemingford. I think it might be Hemingford. I think I, I got to make yes. sure it's kind of like Norfolk. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure you Lewis get it right. Seville. You, yes, I got killed for that one one time. Not on this show. I was out umpiring. Sure, I got killed for saying and, Louisville. And, and Hooper, Nebraska, Hooper, Nebraska. Hooper, oh yes, Hooper. it's yes. Hooper. Hooper. There's some good ones out there. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it. Mickey, um, let's get his thoughts as he met with the media today. Kids are uh, packing their bags, ready to head to the big house. Well, the guys came out this morning with a um, great attitude. I thought they detailed. The entire practice, thought they were. I, I, I love their focus in all three phases of the game. I think they understand that we got to go in there and play at a high level. We're playing a very good football team, and it's a great one of the greatest venues in college football that you can that you can play in. So we got to be ready for the challenge, and I, I think they're gonna they're gonna be ready for it. So Casey uh, is not gonna go. Casey does uh, want to go. It's just not gonna happen this week. Well, he's been in every meeting. And he's been in every practice, you know, in the area, you know, you know, talking to him. But, but Casey wants to play. Like you say, he wants to play. He's a confederate. He wants to play. But he understands right now that he can't play at a high level, so we won't put him out there. But he's been really good as a leader out there with those, with those um, young quarterbacks. So who is going to start, Elijah? Who is behind center? I think we're all going to find out Saturday about 3.30. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> so whoever is behind center... What's Mickey need from his quarterback Saturday? They had a good practice. They practice well. But you don't get graded on practice. You get graded on game day. So it's about who can manage the team on game day. You know, just like to say about coaching, this would be a great profession if we didn't have to play the games. But we had to play the games. So they got to be able to manage this team during the game. I mean, you can do it at practice, but now I got to see you manage this team during the game. So offensive success, right? That's holding on to the football. What are some keys to it Saturday? Well, yes, I think the, the, the number one thing we had to do, we got to be able to hand that ball off. Hand the ball off. Slow it down. That's what we, that's what we got to do. Uh, real quick, uh, when it comes to his confidence, why is he confident in this team? I, I don't think they back down from anybody since I've been here. I, don't, I, I mean, since before I got here, you can watch it. They don't, they don't back down. They, they don't throw in a white flag. So you got to respect that out of those kids that, you know, they, they're, they're busting in butts, not getting the results that they want. But they understand that this is a great opportunity. And I explained to them that Michigan is playing for something. You're not playing a Michigan team. That's, they, they plan to be a number one seed in the on BCS championship. So we understand that. But I think they, they're okay. They understand the opportunity. There is the title aspect. We'll hear from Mickey and a edited psych up tape from one will compton that's the hope maybe uh michigan gets funny in the tunnel again we'll wind down hour one hail varsity continues presented by currency
And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tale Varsity, winding down Hour 1. We are presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. And a reminder about buckling up, one out of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive? A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Is Saturday the trifecta? You pray not when it comes to tunnel violence. Okay? It's, it's, it's been an issue. Uh, Penn State, Michigan, James Franklin, Harbaugh. There was a food fight. It wasn't quite Animal House good, but there was stuff thrown. Don't know if it was a taco or a burger or a hot dog. It might have been a hot dog that got chucked uh, between Penn State and Michigan. You oh, had what? You can't, can't throw hot dogs in the tunnel anymore? This is America. You can't, have hot, you can't have ketchup on your hot dog. In Michigan, I don't think that flies. You had the assault, brother. Uh, all right, we got our butt kicked on the field. Let's uh, let's corner some dude without any helmet and give him a, a sinus surgery. That happened two weeks ago, and then now here, here comes Nebraska. One way in, one way out. Mickey on the tunnel. No, I, I have faith in um, University of Michigan administration that they're going to do everything in their power to make sure we don't have altercation. Um, we got to make sure our kids get in the tunnel, and we have a plan to make sure our kids get in the tunnel and get in there and, and get in there safely. But we, we're not we're not going there for that. We're not we're not talking about you know the altercation, what happens in the tunnel. We're going to be professional like we always we always are, and we're going to get our kids in and get our kids out. But I don't I don't see a problem happening. Now here's the pep talk from Bussin' with the boys. They are there in 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 Arbor and this weekend. Will Will Compton he wants a fight, not uh, that kind of fight. No, but he wants he wants Nebraska to leave it there. Of course, Taylor is his partner in crime with Bussin, a Michigan grad. Mm-hmm. So there are stakes, uh, and uh, well, there, this is heavily edited because Will was on a uh, you know a, a Goodfellas esque type role, Joe Pesci style. What a disrespectful f-ing line. I'm telling you. Disrespectful f-ing line. You guys want a data point? Here's a data point. We lost by three points last year. There's your data. Everything else, toss it out the f-ing window. You don't even need to look at it. Casey Thompson, we need you to play. I don't know what's going on, brother, but the boys f-ing need you this weekend. O-line, here's the recipe, boys. Swing first and get the fight f-ing started. 60 minutes of f-ing you football. Stack the box. Put your n- on Blake Corm's head. Make that quarterback beat us with his arm, and that's your recipe. And it's got to be 60 minutes of nonsense. Stop you football. This is David versus Goliath. This is a Cinderella story. Nebraska plus 28 and a half. I feel good about it. Whew. That was that was almost as many F bombs as Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Desert Scene Casino. 70 plus in two minutes and 13 seconds. How long was that clip? That was 35 seconds. 35 seconds. I think we counted nine. Uh, I can count up real quick. You're you're, you're fine. And th- what was hilarious, Elijah's is like, D- do I need to edit that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not the obvious, but uh, th- there was some other choice uh, verbiage. <laughs> Good for you, Will. He's sitting there, shades on, cigar in hand. Cinderella's, dude, Nebraska should never be a Cinderella. Like they, how, they, they are, but. I like how he goes through all that and then goes at the end, Nebraska just to cover. 
We'll see what Searles thinks. Jeremiah Searles to kick off hour two. Uh, Gary Barnett next hour. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to our favorite Husker lineman, longtime NFLer, Jeremiah Searles. Searles in his Husker and uh, football den. Searles, what's good, man? Good to spend time with you. Have, you. have you achieved getting Bambi yet? Not yet, but my dad is headed into town, and we are going out tonight to go ahead and start chasing some deer and seeing what we can do. Saw some big boys show up on cam last night, so that is all exciting stuff the weather took a shift from yesterday when it was 75 degrees so it's getting a little cooler which is all nice and good so we are on our way fresh into deer season that is all good i was whining to you off air junior turned 16 today and uh his vehicle uh i'm i'm, I'm sifting through and you just shook your head and said schmidt should have got him an 04 honda yeah man you get those 04 civics they just can't die is that what you, you drove know, your first car I drove a 1999 F-150 bench seat, five-speed on the floor, nice. no power windows, no air conditioning. It was my dad's old work truck, mm-hmm. and that thing went through hell and back and never quit on me. I ended up turning it in for $500. <laughs> Reminds me of the, uh, the story of uh, Andy Janovich when he was playing with the Broncos. Yeah, still sure. driving his old Ford. I think it was a Ford. Yeah, mm-hmm. Still driving it and said, yeah, I just spent all my money on hunting gear and chew. Yeah, yeah. After, <laughs> that's a good priority, quite frankly. After my after my first year in the league, uh, I came back home and drove it. And I drove out to meet Emma. She was in, uh, where was she at? Wichita, Washburn. She was at Washburn. And we drove out to watch the Super Bowl there. And on my way home, the heater went out in my truck. And it was like minus 20 out. Mm. And I was driving in my full Carhartt, like gloves on, hat on. And then my windshield wiper fluid stopped working. And so... I started using like the Propel bottle with the windshield, and I'm yeah. driving home like, yep, that's it. I'm done. I play in the NFL now, getting a new truck, <laughs> and drove to Woodhouse the next day and got a brand new F-150. Look at you, Searles. I love hey, it. Hey, first big boy purchase. The, the, there you go. Well, uh, Junior's going to be uh, be working. He may be scooping snow for you if you're well, uh, I got I got dog poop that needs to be picked up, so he's welcome anytime. Okay. Well, once he starts doing it at home, maybe we'll send him your way. <laughs> uh, big weekend. Uh, speaking of not wanting to, to, to misstep in different spots, mm. going to be a little difficult on Saturday for the boys, isn't it? 
Oh, just slightly. You know, I think that the <laughs> line was 29 and a half when I uh, first looked at it. And I don't know if it's moved since, but I think that that's a very accurate line. And this, that just, ooh, I mean, that's just awful to think about that. We are almost 30 point dogs to a Big Ten team. And granted, Michigan may be one of the better teams in the country, but it just shows where we're at as a program right now. And it's just really, it's not going to be pretty. There's just no way. I, I don't think there's any way the Huskers can win this game. Nope. And uh, do you worry about fight? We were talking with Vokalek earlier this week, and I trust his his radar. And, and he's like, look, we're fighters. You're supposed to say that. Totally get it. But he's a guy that I don't think will let other guys fold. I don't see that. You guys didn't have some of the best seasons. You had good seasons, don't get me wrong, but you had those kind of tipping point ball games, right, where – you were close, and had you won at Michigan State, for instance, you're, you're probably playing for, for another Big Ten championship opportunity, right? right? You guys always would bounce back after a tough outing. And and this team's now working on a, a few game-losing streaks, and, and they've been a part of it. I mean, everyone in this locker room's not had that nine-win, eight-win season. I mean, they've yeah. they, they at least won two in a row this year. That's great, but man, it's it's really a death march right now. It is, and you know, and it's easy to say we're fighters because we are. We're all ultimate competitors. Everyone who plays at the collegiate level, the NFL level, I mean, any level, you're an ultimate competitor. You're an elite. You're an elite athlete, and so there is no quit in you. But what there is in you is doubt. There's doubt, and doubt is a terrible thing because whether you wanted it there or not, it lives there. Because if you don't know what it is to overcome and it, what it means to bounce back and win those big games, and there's always that piece of you that's like, here we go again. You know, I thought maybe we were going to get past that point this season, but I really just don't think we are. And that's just because not enough people on the team have been in those shoes. You know, not enough guys that are leaders have been able to step up and say, hey, no, it doesn't have to be like this. We win close games. We win big games, you know. But I think that we talked, I talked about on the podcast this week with Jessica Cootie, you know, it's it's along the lines of if you go into this game already defeated, like you have no shot. Now, it's one thing to go in and be realistic about where we are as a team, but you can't walk into this game as a player, as a, as a whole, and think, man, we're just going to get killed, which I worry at times could be partially part of this team's psyche. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, when you look across at what Michigan has, I think that 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 mentality could seep into the program. And we talk offensive line, so I got a, a Michigan defensive lineman I want to get your take on because it's the task that the offensive line faced this week. Mozzie Smith, he's a guy who's been eating up double teams all season long, and he was preseason number one on the athletics freak list in college football. Let's, let's take you through the numbers. 22 reps on the bench press, uh, but that's not 225. That's 325 pounds for 22 reps. Uh, a 441 shuttle, a 6953 cone drill, and they also had to build a modified jammer machine, which I'm not sure if, if you can explain that, that machine, Searles, but yep. they, they had to make a modified one that went up to 400 pounds on each side for this guy. He, he's ridiculous, and I'm tra- sitting here trying to figure out how the Husker offensive line is going to deal with a guy like that. Well, all I know is Casey Thompson. If I'm him, I'm going, ow, I hurt one more week because I don't really feel like dying on Saturday. You know, I have Chubba and Logan. Like, if you're listening, pals, life insurance, eight, like State Farm, Jake, like call one of those people because it, it could get ugly. Wow. Like this Michigan D-line is really freaking good. You know, I put them up there against Bama's and the Georgia's and what they're doing from top to bottom, from pass rushing to stopping the run is fantastic. 
And, you know, you look at the Husker offensive line that has been less than subpar. I mean, there was multiple times last week where, again, it looked like a race to the quarterback for off the edges, and the DNs are hitting each other at nine yards. And we're not getting a ton of push in the run game. But then there's other times where we look like we were doing okay, you know. But the definition of a bad offensive line is inconsistency. And that's what we are. We're inconsistent. And we're more consistently bad than good. And, you know, those are just things that aren't. But that guy is just an absolute freak show. He's going to go on to make a ton of money in the NFL. He's going to go on to be a very high draft pick. And, you know, you got to take care of a guy because he can wreck a game before it even starts if you let a guy like that get going. Searles, the, the thing that stuck out to me many with Mickey this week was being okay with three to four yard runs. And mm-hmm. I love that opening script. I like the double tight. I love that Grant busted one for almost 40 to start. And it was downhill. Nebraska looked like they could run the ball. Now, Nebraska's had a problem for a lot of years of running the football when they have to run the football. But they abandoned the thing before they needed to, I guess, is the way to put it against Minnesota. You're up, that's what's miraculous is you're up on that team with their backup coming in and you're up 10, which has got to feel like, you know, almost three scores. Excuse me, and they and they flip it around on you. I mean, a hell of a coaching job for Minnesota and finding a way. And I know that pains you, but they 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 earned it in the second half last week. But Nebraska just can't can't do it or won't do it. Running running the football, and they, they've got to they got to be comfortable with just holding on to it and kind of playing some smash mouth. As hard as that sounds here Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, all credit to P.J. Fleck and that staff. You know, they rode that boat real hard in the second half, and it, and it worked <laughs> out. But, you know, for the Michigan game, and here's what here's what pains me a little bit about our offense, Schmitty, and I might go on a little tangent here, but I think that Mark Whipple is a fantastic scripter and opening play caller. But what I've come to realize is here's what Mark Whipple is. He's an old-school coach, and he's a box checker. And what I mean by that. I played with coaches before. This is not a knock on Whipple. This I played with a lot of coaches that are like this. They have their script. And if they have success with plays within the opening script, they won't go back to those plays until they have checked off all of the boxes on that script. And sometimes what happens is by the time you get back to what was successful after you've checked off all these other boxes, the defense has already made the adjustment and now it's no longer a successful thing. You know, I think the great coordinators and the newer coordinators and the, the, the minds of football of, that are doing great things are, okay, yes, we have our openers. This was early. Let's keep hammering that, and then we'll get to our openers. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be considered down the list of how things go. I think Coach Whipple is a box check, old school. We're going to just knock off all the openers because when you see the success we had running the football downhill, and then we didn't do it again, and then all of a sudden we tried to come back to it when nothing else was working – then it's no longer successful. I think Mark Whipple and this staff has to be able to say, this is successful right now. Let's keep doing it until they stop us, and then we'll pivot, and then we'll shift, and then they have to game plan against us, and it's no longer us trying to game plan against them, and then we may have some success with this offense. Now, against Michigan, it's not going to matter. They're just much better than us. But when you start talking about teams like Wisconsin and Iowa, like you have to go into games with so much better game plans than what we've had the last couple times. Jeremiah Searles with us here, Hail Varsity Radio. And, and Searles, you mentioned the fact that Michigan is just that much better. So do you expect to see, you know, I don't want to say a white flag mentality, but if Nebraska gets down early in this football game, do you think they start keeping some of their cards close to their chest? You know, maybe keeping in a quarterback like 
Chuba or Logan, even though they might not be finding success, just to say, you know what, let's let's keep some things close to our chest before Wisconsin and Iowa? Is it, is it just too far gone in the season for anything like that? I mean, yeah, it, it's too far gone to have anything close to the chest. You know, unless you want to put in a completely special, like, different kind of gimmicky package, then yeah, sure. I, 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 guess, I guess the question I'm, I'm referring to is going to a more quarterback run heavy system with a guy like Logan Smothers. I think Logan should start. Personally, Mm -hmm. I think that if Casey Thompson doesn't start, Logan Smothers should be QB one and should get his opportunity. It's been a long time since Iowa where he had his one opportunity to go out there and take care of the entire game and do his thing. We saw what Chubba could do last week. Last week. It was not great. You know, so let's give Logan an opportunity. Granted, it's against a freaking werewolf of a defense, but let's see what he can do. And let's start building for next year. You know, I'm already kind of on the mentality of like, let's build for next year because this year, let's face it, we're not going to a bowl game. You know, so let's see what the young cat can do. Let's see how he's developed and let's see what this offense could look like if he's back there, you know, because we just don't know what the plan is with Casey. So there's a lot going on back there. But I think that Logan should get a, a fair shake over the last three weeks here. Let's go into the mind of Trev here for a moment and and talk about the, the coaching position. And, you know, Mickey's context is important. We've kind of always prefaced what we're saying with this is a really tough hand that's been dealt to Mickey. And he's navigated, he's managed, he's motivated. And Nebraska, until things went sideways, they were in it against Illinois. They had a great plan and got out of the gate well against Minnesota. I just couldn't finish or play four quarters that he talked about. As you look at Mickey, do you think he's – what do you weigh more? The the situation he's been in or where they finish with – the way they they end the year three and nine four and eight five and seven whatever it may be how are you judging how are you looking at at this opportunity for mickey when it comes to outside hire versus mickey's the guy you know i think i think trev in the back of his mind knows that he needs to go outside hire now that doesn't mean he's not going to give mickey a fair shot but i do think mickey's facing an uphill battle from the beginning just because of everything that's gone on and I just don't think Trev can look at the state of this Husker program right now and say a first-time head coach is what we need. You know, the first-time guy that's going to be at the helm is what's going to right the ship here. And I think for Mickey, a lot of what he's done is done really good things. But I also think he's proven that he doesn't want to go anywhere. You know, my hope would be that if someone comes in, Mickey wants to stay around. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he's a great recruiter. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know. Maybe he could be a coordinator. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that a new head coach would be really dumb to come in and just axe Mickey Joseph. Now, a lot of it's going to be dependent on what he wants. I think that's going to be more of a Mickey call than what a new head coach comes in here and wants. But I think that it's going to be a lot based off of how he handles the rest of this year, how he has the team prepared, not necessarily the product on the field, but are they prepared? Are they doing things right? Are everyone doing things in the week better than they have been? Do you think this team, does it look better? At times, you know, I think at times, I think that our defense looks a lot better than it did early in the season. I think a lot of that has to do with they're playing more free and they're playing Mm -hmm. more foot on the gas. But the problem is our guys run out of gas in the fourth quarter because we just don't have the depth. Ty Robinson played like a machine for three and a half quarters. And then the last last I mean, the last fourth quarter there, he just was gassed. And mm-hmm. you don't we just don't have the depth of like rotate guys in to keep guys like Ty and Feast and those guys fresh. We're just asking them to play too many snaps. Do you see pieces and potential in that offensive line room for whoever comes in? Yeah, I mean, you get Nuri back, you get Teddy back. There's two instant starters back. You know, you have now Henry Lutovsky, who's struggled at times this year, but he's now got experience. Uh, you know, you've got some pieces there. 
I do worry about the depth as far as developmental guys, guys that are young, freshmen, sophomores that, I mean, I looked at some of our depth on the sideline. I was like, well, you don't look like Big Ten O-linemen to me, fellas. You know, and so there's not a lot of depth there. So I do worry about that. But I think that the bones for an instant upgraded O-line is still there. So before we get you out of here, let's quickly go some NFL, if you don't mind, because the Bills dropped a tough one over the weekend. The Jets might be for real, but I, I think the bigger story from that game is Josh Allen and his health moving forward. Yeah, man, UCL, I was there in 2018 when he did something similar to his elbow, missed a few games, and old Nate Peterman had to come in. So, you know, it's just, I'll tell you this, I think that the Vikings have a really good shot going into Buffalo and beating them if Josh Allen's out. You know, I think that that's a team that is hitting on strides right now, but yeah, the Jets are for real, dude. The defense, the Jets' defense is for real. If their offense can be serviceable and not turn the ball over, they can win some football games. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, uh, get a uh, big old buck with your pop and, uh, and let us know if you need help with any of that deer jerky, bud. Absolutely will do, guys. As always, go Big Red. Good stuff from Jeremiah Searles and uh, Husker Insider with us. Good to get his take on things. Gary Barnett, he's coached a lot of ball. Get his take on Whip and Mickey and Michigan and some college football weekend. Reminder about your friends at Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, can send emails, as always, to the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Gary Barnett on the way with Hale Varsity. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency Hall of Fame football coach Gary Barnett with us. Coach, big old sweet 16 today for Junior, and he's off and driving. Uh, we are all going to buckle in and white knuckle this thing. How are you? I'm doing fine. Still, still trying to get over this cold, but. Uh, you know, it's just, I think there's a lot of people that have it, uh, uh, and I've got it, so, but keep on keeping on. You are, are not off to La La Land for tomorrow night? I actually am going to Vegas this afternoon, and okay. then uh, uh, from Vegas on to Los Angeles tomorrow morning. So. Okay. Well, it'll be uh, quite the challenge in Ann Arbor for Nebraska, the uh, largest point spread against nebraska ever right now it sits at 31 points and it's uh it's a tough ask for anybody but nebraska's really up against it with uh the backup quarterback situation and coach uh, i know you've you keep your ear on nebraska from afar it doesn't look like whipple and mickey are on the same page mickey wants maybe to turn to the ground game and, and whip wants to, to score points, which is what every good offensive coordinator wants. Well, it's, uh, you know, that happens. I mean, whip, whip was a controversial hire of sorts in that, you know, he's, 
he's a guy that's been around. He's been a head coach. He's he's done about everything, and and he has his way of doing things. And that's the way most coordinators are, or most that have proven themselves. Um, and so then, and Mickey's trying to win this job, earn this job, and you know you're spinning your wheels. So uh, you know you're going to have a clash of titans there, and I think that's just pretty normal. And you know, I, uh, we're, we're both, you and I are, and our programs are in the same kind of position. I mean, we're, we're just, we can't find any answers either. And, uh, it's, I don't know that there are any answers. And, and that's probably exactly what Nebraska's facing is there just aren't any answers. You, you need a little luck and you need the other team to play poorly and things like that. And that's, that's where we are right now. And so, I think this is probably pretty common on with interim coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know you just you got to live through it. Coach, you've been on both sides of it. You've been a coordinator where the coaches want you to do something, and maybe you think, well, this is the way it needs to be. You've also been on the other side of it where, all right, this is what we need to do to win. I need you to to, to change up what the game plan is. And it just feels a little bit like there's there's resistance there, and I'm I'm interested here with uh, with uh, with with Whipple and just what what makes him really good, and then also what can be problematic uh, with just that uh, that confidence uh, a coordinator may have. Well, I think he was brought in and given a free reign. And, um, you know, it was part of Scott's turnaround and changes uh, within his staff. And he's looking at Mickey and, and saying, look, I've done this everywhere at the biggest levels. And here's my here's what experience tells me. And um, and Mickey's going, I, you know, I want to be the head coach of Nebraska. And the only way I'm going to do that is if we find some way to get some points on the board and and stop some people. And so, you know, here's what I think we need to do. It's, it's not your butt on the line. It's mine. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard. I, you know, when I was a coordinator, I, the, my two years, I had, and one real veteran group of coaches for one. And then the second group, I had real young new coaches and Ben Gregory's first coaching experience out of high school. And, and so I, I I knew all the answers to the offense, and I had three guys who really didn't even know the offense. So I had two different situations, and so it's um, I haven't run into, but I have seen the kind of situation you guys are are experiencing right now. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. The coaching carousel continues to spin, and uh, a couple of names this week, and in, in football scoop was in on on one of them. But your reaction. How well do you know Gary Patterson and how well do you know Bronco Mendenhall? A couple of names that, that are out there maybe with, with Nebraska where where Trev may be looking. That's just speculation, but part of it, uh, again, reported by Football Scoop. Yeah, well, you know, Gary Gary's uh, uh, a Midwestern guy, and he's, um, you know, he's he's a tough guy. He's tough on his coaches. But he's a darn good football coach, especially defensively, and uh, I think he lets his offensive people do what they do. Um, and so, you know, he's been around. He's 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 had his teams perform at a very high level, 
And Bronco's an interesting dude. You know, Bronco and, and Gary aren't really uh, the same mo- cut because the Bronco's, Bronco's uh, you know, he's just a different dude, and, and he's really interesting. And uh, he's, um, he's a guy who likes challenges, wants challenges. Um, he, he's, you know, he's very content, he and his wife, with taking on really tough jobs. And so it's, uh, uh, and, you know, both of them have been without staffs now for a couple of years, so, um, or at least uh, a year and a half. So they've got to put them together. And that that would be the biggest challenge, I think, for either one of them. But they've worked with a number of guys that uh, would come work with them again. So it's, you know, I think both those names are good names for uh, for Nebraska. You like, do you like the fit, knowing Lincoln like you do? Uh, yeah, I like the fit for, for Patterson, especially, I think Bronco's more of a Rocky mountain guy, but, uh, uh, I, I, you know, if he can fit into Charlottesville, Virginia, he can certainly fit into, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska and feel comfortable. So I think, I think the fits are, are pretty good for both guys. When you look at both of these guys, what, what does this say if in fact these are two, targets about the Nebraska job Trev's been thorough or Trev's been told no oh I think he's been thorough uh and the two things about both these guys is you can announce them tomorrow and they can start work and so uh that's that's a good thing about both of them you don't have to wait till the last game you don't have to uh, wait to start putting together a staff you know you just if you name them now then of course you got you know your own staff, that current staff that you got to try to at least motivate enough to, you know, keep them fighting for the rest of the year. But both guys are guys that can um, aren't going to be involved with bowl games, aren't going to be involved with playoff games. So they're guys that can, you know, be in Lincoln on Saturday night after the game. Why don't you think it worked in in Virginia for for Bronco? I know they won the Coastal. And then with, with Gary's uh, end at TCU, I mean, the guy's got a statue. They went to a Rose Bowl. They, this team that he recruited is number four in the country. Well, I think in Broncos, Broncos' case, it's, he just he just needed a break from it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, he's more of a Rocky Mountain guy. I mean, he built a house out in Montana. And he's, he and his sons are team ropers. And, and so I, I, wow. I just think that the culture there is a little bit different. Um, you know, and, and Gary, you know, in coaching, you sort of know you should leave after five to seven years because he get bored with you. <laughs> and, and, you know, Gary's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember when I, I was, uh, coaching with Gary in an all-star game out in, in Hawaii and he just started and he says, how many years you've been doing this? I said, 14. He said, Oh man, if I could make it to 14, well, I think he made it to 16 or 18, so um, maybe more than that. So, you, you know, the culture changes. You've got a new generation coming in every 10 years or every eight years. And so it's, it's, just, it's just society. It's just life. And I think more, more of that than anything else. Coach, rapid fire. We'll get your thoughts here. Bama, Ole Miss, what happens to, uh, to Alabama if they lose, dare I say, a third game in a season? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, 
Bama is favored by 12 in this game. That's a lot. Uh, you know, I think Bama wins. I mean, uh, I, I might take Ole Miss in the points if mm-hmm. I were betting, but I think Bama wins this game. Danger zone. But let me tell you, Chris, I haven't been very good the last couple of weeks, so uh, <laughs> take this with a grain of salt out there, folks. No, I don't. It's just for fun, right? <laughs> okay, good. Nobody just... calls me and says, you dumb... Yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. We love hearing it. Uh, we go the other way. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, Georgia at Mississippi State. Uh, Pirate, upset alert. At least you take the 16. 10, uh, Georgia coming off that, that emotional win. Yeah, I think you take the 16, but uh, they're not going to win, I don't believe. Georgia, you know, I mean, I, they just blew the doors off Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think Georgia's really good. And, um, but I, I sort of like the Pirates staying within 16 and a half. I think you're right. K-State's at Baylor. Baylor minus two and a half. It's just the continual next big game for K-State. They Man, that was a good comeback last week. They just couldn't finish. Yeah, I like K-State a lot. And uh, Adrian's playing at a high level. It started at three. It's two and a half. So something's happening. But, um, I, you know, I like Chris Kleiman. I'm taking K-State in the points. TCU, Texas, the Gary Patterson Bowl, Coach. Yeah, I know. Um, I, uh, TCU's got to run out of luck eventually. I mean, they <laughs> cannot keep coming from behind. But I think I take them with the points. But I don't think I think Texas. You know, I think Texas might win this game. But TCU just they have a way to get back into every game and. You know, I don't think they've had the lead in the game in any of the last five or six games they played so till the end. But uh, you know, I I think Texas probably wins this game, uh, but this is a hard one. How about Nebraska minus thirty-one? Well, how can you turn down thirty-one points? I can show so. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we're 34-point underdogs tomorrow night. So, well, okay, um, there, you, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, I, it's hard to turn down 31 points, but uh, if you've got uh, internal strife, then, you know, more than likely it's about right. Mm. Gary Barnett with us, Sale Varsity Radio, coach off to uh, Los Angeles for the Colorado-USC game Friday night. Coach, we'll get caught up again. Always great to spend time with you, get to feeling better, and thanks for a few minutes. All right, get that car fixed, Chris. Coach Barnett, words of wisdom there. Great to spend time with Barty, get his thoughts on college football. We'll get the rundown of the NFL with Vison's Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets. Maybe a steak and a beer bed for us for Thursday night football. Oh, tonight's going to be so unpredictable uh, with the weather. Mm-hmm. All right, bet on the weather. <laughs> I don't think we knew it. Danny Burke coming up here from Vison. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network. You hear him all over the air, uh, weekends with VEASAN and Danny Burke 5, where you follow him on Twitter. Danny, pretty hot and heavy NFL weekend will start there. You have... Mother Nature wanting to see some Thursday night football, potentially Atlanta, Carolina. Let's start with Thursday night. 
All right. So for Thursday night, fellas, I do lean toward the Falcons in this spot, but it's really a heavy public play. I mean, Carolina is a terrible team. And, look, I know that the last time they played was a ginormous shootout and just a crazy ending. I'm not sure that will be replicated. But I just feel like Carolina is more like the team we saw against the Bengals. Now, I'm not going to say that Patterson is going to be like Mixon and get five total touchdowns, but I just think Carolina is really not as good as they were against Tampa and as great as they were offensively against the Falcons in that game. But simultaneously, I mean, you look at this Falcons defense, it's just horrid all around. So what I did, again, small lean toward Atlanta in this game, but didn't end up playing it. Uh, the way that I went about this one, just trying to pull up my numbers really quick, I did Cordero Patterson over his rushing yards, 51 and a half. Now, he's back in the mix, came back from his injury last week, got two touchdowns. He's actually scored in every game except one at Los Angeles against the Rams. He should have a great opportunity tonight against the Panthers' run defense that's allowing opponents 140 total rushing yards per game. They rank 23rd in DVOA run defense, and they're allowed about four and a half yards per rush attempt. Carolina is also getting run on 31 times per game, which is second most. And Mariota, as we know, doesn't really love to throw the ball. They don't want to force him to do that if they don't have to. So now that you got Patterson as your lead back, I saw his rushing yards prop at 51 and a half. He's getting about 77 yards per game, 5.4 yards per carry, over 14 carries. My number has him to about 15 carries for 70 rushing yards. So I pulled the trigger on him over 51 and a half, and I probably play it. Ideally, you get lower than 55 and a half, but if you really want to get involved, I'd, I'd still say that's a go at that price. Uh, the other bet that I had then was P.J. Walker over 173 and a half for his passing yards. Now, this one actually, the better number is right now after I placed it like 165 and a half. But I tell you how bad Atlanta's defense is, man. I mean, they're allowing 310 passing yards per game and 417 total yards of offense. They rank 29th against the pass, according to DVOA. They're allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete 69% of their passes, which is second worst. Falcons allowing 28 completions per game, dead last. They're also getting thrown on 40 times per game, which is second most in the NFL. The first go-around, P.J. Walker only had 19 completions, yet he threw for 317 yards. That's almost 17 yards per completion. I'm assuming they're going to be trailing in this game. They'll need to be passing it. They'll be able to at least move the ball against the crap Falcon secondary. So, again, I played P.J. Walker over 173.5 passing yards. I think he gets to about 200 in this game. So those are the two props that got as an official play, and I do have a lean toward Atlanta for a side. Danny, quickly, the hurricane, though, moving into the area, is that affecting how you're going to be betting tonight? Sounds like rain most of the night, maybe 15, 20-mile-an-hour winds throughout this game. Does that affect anything? I mean, I think that's why that that P.J. Walker prop is so low. Exactly, yeah. I mean, P.J. being low, that definitely doesn't help, and it boosts anything good on the side of Cordero Patterson. But, look, I mean, they can kind of scheme around it. And as vulnerable as this Atlanta defense is, that's kind of why I still think they can make these dink and dumps work when you got Hubbard back in the mix. You still got Foreman who can get in the passing game. And you still got some other guys like DJ Moore who can create something out of screens and whatnot. So because of how bad this Atlanta defense is, I think you can still look to take advantage of it because of those conditions. You're getting a way better number. Danny Burke with his VEASAN Sports Network, Burke's Best Bets with the NFL. This weekend, Buffalo still favored. 
Even though Josh Allen's going to be icing the elbow, minus three and a half Bills, Vikings, record-wise, that's the matchup this weekend. Man, this is uh, this is tricky to say the least. I hate getting involved with Minnesota on the road because even you look <laughs> at what happened against the Commanders last week, yeah, they won, but they pushed, and they should have done a lot better, to be quite frank. Um, Case Keenum, well, he's had his moments. Uh, you call it Case Keenum revenge game if you really want to, but mm-hmm. I would bet the under in this game if I had to do anything. Buffalo, assuming it's Keenum, Going to have to work out some kinks in the passing game. They have no run game, but maybe they're going to try to stress that more. So Minnesota's defense isn't really strong, but Buffalo may be able to do enough. Or conversely, Minnesota's defense will look well off because it's against a backup quarterback and a terrible run offense. Then conversely, Minnesota, again, they go through their stalls, especially on the road. They have great offensive pieces, but they do get limited and will get limited against one of the best defenses in the NFL. So that's why I would look toward the under. In terms of a side, my, my man, I, I got nothing here, guys. Like, <laughs> at three and a half, I think he could – I wouldn't bet Buffalo over three. I would honestly tease up Minnesota to maybe over ten points. That would be what I would do with a side. But, again, my top play would be something revolving around the total and going under. Daniel, let's go to Sunday morning football, the NFL's first ever regular season game in Germany. The Seahawks taking on the Buccaneers, where the Buccaneers are a three-point favorite. What's your lean here? I'm betting the under for this game, under 44-and-a-half. You've already seen some big movement for this game. It opened 46-and-a-half, and now, like I said, you're, you're getting it at 44 in the hook. This Bucks team, my goodness, talk about making me sweat last Sunday. I had them on the money line, and they somehow came through. I don't know how, but they did it. But their offense has been annoyingly frustrating. I mean, they're only getting five yards per play, which is 29th in the NFL. And they have these play calls where it's just behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know why Leftwich is dialing this up. It clearly isn't working. The receivers are dropping easy passes left and right, and they have virtually no running offense with Leonard Fournette. They're throwing the ball the most in the league and running it the fewest. Seattle's defense is actually fairly solid. Give credit where credit's due. Pete Carroll has done a tremendous job on that side of the ball and with the rookies they brought into the organization. They rank 12th in overall DVOA defense and 14th against the pass. So with an already struggling Bucks offense, I think Seattle can limit them enough. And then you look at the other side, well, Seattle's offense, yes, you have the most efficient passer in Geno Smith, but if Pete Carroll can run the ball, that's going to be his number one option. And that's the weaker part of Tampa Bay's defense. And their defense is still good. We're just saying they're bad because the Bucks look bad. And, yeah, they've regressed because they were amazing the last two years. But, again, they're still good. They're sixth against the pass, 13th against the run. They're allowing 4.6 yards per carry. So they're not terrible. They're just not as dominant as the pass standards have set for them. And being in an international spot, I think that can cause for a lower-scoring game in general. So if you get it over 44, I like playing that game under. Any voice in your ear uh, on taking Nebraska in the 31? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. You'd want to say yes, but I, I've said that for so many games <laughs> with Nebraska this year. I, I don't like to lay high spread. You know what? Just wait for Michigan to get out to an early lead and get a better number and then jump in on Nebraska because they'll still be competing at the in the second half while Michigan kind of gives up. So I'm staying away from my favorite team pre-flop there, but I will say one more. Bet the Bears this weekend, baby. They're beating the Lions. There's another hometown play for you. If you don't want to bet Nebraska, trust me with the Bears. Justin Fields, he does look like he's coming into his own. Over, under on Fields' rushing yards, Danny. Where are you going? 
man. He's probably going to get 70-plus. I cashed in on that easy last week, setting the record. So uh, maybe you have to go back to the well once again. There we have it. Daddy Burke with his VEASAN Sports Network. Daddy, take care. Thank you, fellas. Have a good one. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity on a Thursday. Next two shows, we are on the road. Want to see you up at the Hail Varsity Club in La Vista, just stuck between... Cabela's and the Embassy Suites, La Vista. And uh, we're there 4 to 6 tomorrow, Friday Road Show. And then Saturday Special, Saturday Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio, noon to 2. So excited for that. You're burying the lead, though. The perfect pregame for karaoke night at Hail Varsity. Yeah, Club. that's right. It's come watch Hail Varsity Radio, get a couple drinks in you. I know I need a couple drinks in before what I What is your karaoke go to? There's a couple. You're a sweet Caroline guy. No, I really love uh, Take Me Home Country Roads by John oh, Denver. Okay. It's easy. Everyone knows the words. Everyone sure, sings along. Right. It's great. Or Rockstar by Nickelback. You are going to just dial up the Nickelback, are you? People hate on Nickelback. There's some good Nickelback songs out there. Okay. I'll let you own that one and no, no, run I, with it. No, no. I will 100% own that one. People hated on Nickelback for no reason, like the late 2000s. Nickelback made some bangers back in the day. Uh, you have uh, Creed. I'm sure you could dial up some Creed if you're man enough to do Nickelback. Can you take That's me enough. Let me talk about our friends at uh, Red Zone Tickets. RedZoneTickets.com, selling fun since 2001. You have a game or an event you want to go to or can't get to, they buy and sell tickets. RedZoneTickets.com, they are local, they are Omaha proud, and a Better Business Bureau rating of A+. They're reliable because of that 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets. And experiences. We're talking Husker football, Husker volleyball, NFL action. You want to go see Green Bay? God love you. You want to see the Chiefs, the Darks? Hey, they can take care of all of that for you. College World Series. Maybe you're into the theater. Or, hey, concerts. Dave Matthews going on Saturday night at CHI. But uh, Red Zone Tickets, your source where you need to be. And get that item crossed off your bucket list. Create the memories that last a lifetime. Log on, redzonetickets.com, redzonetickets.com. So back-to-back road shows. Elijah alluded to the karaoke following us at Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. They got a sweet lunch deal going Monday through Friday. It's a burger, fries, and a drink, right? Yeah, burger, fries, and a soda, 10 bucks. The burgers are incredible. Well, I mean, especially when you go anywhere else around town and like the burger itself is $12. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even come with fries and a drink. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, big uh, big what the heck uh, going on there. Are we going to dive into tonight's debauchery that is Carolina v. Atlanta? Might as well. I mean, what's, they, what's the line? Danny laid it out for us. Uh, I believe it's at two and a half. Correct? Two and a half. Two and a half for Atlanta. For Atlanta. I, I like Atlanta just because I think they've got the don't say this often, better quarterback option. Uh, there's that. You've got a depleted, in-transition Carolina squad with really no more stars, uh, but it is in Carolina. I know the hurricane's not fun or a tropical storm 
Nicole's problematic, but do you... Uh, if, if you let me buy the Panthers up a point to three and a half, would you do that? <laughs> no. I'll give you three. Three. I'll get, I'll, I'll, you can buy up a half. I'm not going to give you a whole point. I'll do three. I'll, do th- I'll, I'll take the Panthers for three. I'm the one that's rolling the dice here. We're giving you points to a home dog. You're the one who picked. I'll take the Panthers for three. All right. And we will continue this streak of steak and a beers that someday will get paid up. <laughs> the whole side of beef. We'll talk to you and hopefully see you tomorrow. The Hale Varsity Club Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio. Take care. A Huda Media Production.